What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hollywood Already Did It, your weekly movie podcast about reboots, remakes, sequels, adaptations, and why we keep coming back to that well. As always, I'm your host, Blake Schultz, and with me is Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And this week we are watching and talking about The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, a movie with more syllables than it has plot points. Uh, the sequel to The Hitman's Bodyguard in 2017, released in 2021. I'm sure later than they would have liked, but you know, the world. The world, yeah. Uh, here we are, Ryan Reynolds, Samuel L. Jackson, Salma Hayek. We're back in action. The sequel that I guess enough people wanted that it got made. Uh, Terrence, what did you think? Um, <laughs> going into this, I was like, wait, did this movie do well enough for people to like for this to be justified? And I looked at the box office, I was like, oh, well, I guess, but are people, are people wanting this? And it's weird because I know that's sort of the same thing that has happened with this, uh, the Has Fallen series. They keep going, you're like, how do, who's asking for these? But those at least, the first one was really, I thought was really well done. Um, I didn't think Hitman's Bodyguard was that good of a movie to begin with. So then when you get here, I'm like, and I'm watching this, and I was like, oh, cool, this is just more of that times 5,000. And if I already didn't like it then, I don't like it if you just like, cool, I'm going to do that exact same thing, but just beat you over the fucking head with it. And about halfway, not even halfway through, a quarter of this movie, and I was like, oh, yeah, this if this is what we're doing all the time. I can't do, I'm, I'm, I'm out. Um, there is no plot. The plot is like super paper thin because literally the sabbatical idea that is posited in the trailers and what is supposed to be the thing that Ryan Reynolds is on is pretty much thrown away after the first 30 minutes of the film. You're like, ah, cool, that, that's over with. We don't need to worry about that anymore. But my main thing is Selma Hayek, giving her more to do is essentially just having her be a replicant of Samuel L. Jackson's character. Like, I'm just going to curse as much as he does just in female form. And that's funny, right? And no, it's not. It turns out it's not, guys. Um, so then you have that type of comedy, just just F word, F word, F word. When you're on, when I like comedy that has like layers to it or does like some things are subtle, some things are um, oh hit. And there are moments in here where you're like, ah, that works if everything around it wasn't always F this, F that, super, super vulgar, the most playing to the, to the back wall. At least, though, if the comedy is like that and I don't like it, the action should be good. And that is also terrible. So I'm sitting here like I don't like either the action or the comedy. Why am I here? There are three chase sequences in this movie. Why? <laughs> yeah, I don't, this, I, I'm not a time. <laughs> we have to pad the time. <laughs> That's how long the movie has to be for some reason. And no, I everything is so... I, you can t you can telegraph it from the moment Morgan Freeman hits the screen. I'm like, yeah, I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, I was amazed how ahead of the movie I was the entire time. Uh, I felt that we got into really like Pierce Brosnan Bond level stories with this diamond drill that has to go into the center of the earth yeah. so that communications across Europe can stop. It felt very die another day meets tomorrow is not enough, which are both preposterous Bond movies. Yes. 
I didn't fully understand why we needed to meet Ryan Reynolds' stepdad. I didn't know why he needed to be the single greatest bodyguard of all time. I didn't know why we had to fall back on that stereotypical trope. Uh, I didn't find any comedy coming out of the surprise that his stepdad was black. I thought that was kind of lame. Yeah, it was lame. Like it, because Sam just gives the look, and it's weird. His character, I was like, "There's some you there." I get the joke, and I get why he was fit looking the way that he was, and even the little back and forth they have. It just didn't play right. It's just like this doesn't feel none. None of this feels correct. They tried to play it so that you had Selma Hayek's character realize, you know, the importance of these family values. I feel like, and it just didn't coalesce into anything since they both keep making fun of Ryan Reynolds the entire movie and the movie also did that weird thing where I'm supposed to believe that Ryan Reynolds character is a very good bodyguard but I've never seen him be good at his job yeah so I don't know why I'm supposed to care about any part of his journey yeah I did not care for the dream sequence in the beginning uh, really from start to finish, you're right. The action was kind of poorly done. We're now doing like insane physics where he's being thrown around in the back of his van. Yeah, I was like, I can't, I couldn't quite land on what the world this existed in. Like, is this a Looney Tunes world? Because he's got, he got hit by like three cars flipped over and he gets up or and like, or is off of lithium and he's fine within 12 hours. I'm like, some of these things don't make sense. So I'm not sure if we're doing this cartoon style or if we're doing this super realistic and you're not picking a lane. Frank Grillo's in an entirely other movie. Too. I don't know what I, he's doing. <laughs> I don't know where he was, uh, or w- what day he showed up. No. I'm not sure why he felt the need to be so over the top. And even that story was very weird because there were no real stakes to it. And you could tell when they went and got VO to fill it in off camera. When he says, um, what does he say exactly? If they find out I've hired these guys, I'm in hot water. And it's done completely off camera with just looking at Ryan. I'm like, all right, guys. As if they realized there was no reason for this character to be here. And therefore we needed to go get him back to do VO over a map to add any semblance of stakes. Yeah. It just didn't have anywhere to go at any purpose. And we didn't challenge these characters we just kept kind of trying to find the comedy and Selma Hayek wanting to be a mom which I that also to me wasn't very funny and I I feel like we didn't have any change of these characters it was mean-spirited a little some of it was because obviously and it's funny because I think Ryan is charismatic enough to play it off with the whole things like biology I'm like that's a funny line because obviously she's of she's an older age but it just keeps going on. You keep beating the same joke over and over and stretching it out to the point where you're like, all right, guys, we get it. She, she would be a bad mom. Can we figure out what the next lane is to this? And you think they have it. There's a moment when she when he goes out after his dad kind of triggers him with freaking gelato, which useless flashback sequence, guys. I, what the hell? But anyway, <laughs> she goes out to talk to him. And you think for a moment they have a, a get together. And then that beat ends with her talking about her tits. And I'm like, well, all of that you just earned in that sequence is now gone because this is what we we fell back on making her sexualized again <laughs> cool why not yes uh, <laughs> right but yeah so then why are we here nobody wanted to make this movie i don't think the audience wanted the movie you and i certainly weren't craving more hitman wife's bodyguard movies yeah. but the 
buddy cop genre has persisted this far and i feel like it doesn't there is no real continuation normally when these things get sequels the bad boys sequels the rush hour sequels the lethal weapon sequels we do a lot of work to evolve the relationship of the characters and i feel like at the end of this darius kincaid and a ryan reynolds agent character and selma hayek all had the same dynamic that they had in the first one yeah nothing's changed or grown or at all there's no mutual respect gained there's no advancement of who these people are no one learns to care about anything that anybody's a part of they're just sort of thrown into these situations for no reason well it's weird because i mean in the first one it's just i mean selma's there but they're going she's the the rabbit that they're chasing so it's just the two of them but in this film for the first 30 minutes it's just ryan and then it's just ryan and selma we don't get Darius at all until about the second act of this film. So you're sitting here like, those are the two people that we need to have together. And you've separated them for thir- for a good 30 minutes of this movie. So obviously they can't do anything built together because they also weren't together off screen when we have not seen them. So of course they're going to be the exact same person. So then if you do this short lived thing where they don't have any stakes or any emotional moments together, yeah, you're, they're going to end up in the same place that they were at the beginning. The only people that could, if this was written better, be somewhat different would be Bryce and Sonia. Like those are, they have a better chance of being different people. But Darius, Samuel Jackson is Samuel Jackson. And that there's, because of the way this is done, there's no way to really change that. But they had a shot to change the two of them. But because this isn't the film or this isn't a series that was about the two of them, it was supposed to be Darius and Bryce. And I think they, they missed the ball on that. And most, most of uh, these buddy cop films, they do that. That's where they lead in from. And if they're going to make it Selma Hayek and Ryan Reynolds, which would have been fine, don't make her the damsel in distress at the end. We then go out of our way to make her in the captured room. Now they have to overcome their differences and go get her. So there's no there's no space in the movie for anybody to grow or change or learn or get to know each other or have any relevant dichotomies where... I think when you look at the Bad Boys franchise, each one is taking where those characters are in their lives, throwing them together, pushing each one to understand the other one more and where they are at that point, where this movie kind of kept trying to position it as we're trying to move on and start a family, but we're also not putting the hitman world behind us, nor are we very invested in Ryan Reynolds' arc so we just sort of are playing that for laughs and the laughs never are strong enough to justify yep. the, its existence. I think if the comedy was stronger, what the, what they're doing with the thin plot thread might actually pass, but because the comedy is not, it's just like, uh, uh, this plot is terrible. I will say this, it's weird and they shouldn't be doing the exact same thing, but since you keep, you keep bringing up Bad Boys, I keep thinking about it like, oh, Bad Boys sort of did the exact same thing though in part two, because Gabrielle Union as a sister, was there and she was strong she was the she was right there with him and then that last act which i think doesn't really need to be there michael bay you should have ended your movie the second ending you had but then the third ending she gets captured and they have to go to uh to mexico to i believe it's mexico to go save her that happens here again so i don't know why there's a thing that like yeah we'll give you a strong woman we even put her in all the posters and all the credits she's right there side by side with you but she will at some point in time be the reason you have to go do your last mission in this movie because men wrote this I think that's what happens when you have a diamond drill that's unstoppable to the center of the earth. Yeah. 
ridiculous. Yeah. But even, you know, when you look at other sequels in this genre, I feel like buddy cop movies are very evergreen and always relevant because as we sort of explored when we did our Falcon and the Winter Soldier series, they're often talking about why these two characters are paired up. If it's racial tensions, if it's classist tensions, if it's something else. And that also leans into other people learning other perspectives. And this franchise has a chance to do like differences in jobs and ethics, which right. I don't think we have. Usually it is a white cop and a black cop or a family man and a single man or a poor man and a rich man, but they're always on the same side of the law. Right. And this now has the chance to kind of, and it, it tries to, when you get into Morgan Freeman's philosophy of, you know, you have to be the bodyguard over God and country and family. Your client is the number one, even if they're evil. Right. And I feel like that was a great time for Darius, for Samuel L. Jackson and Ryan Reynolds to come in the middle of their like conflicting ideologies. And, and they, we, and we don't. Instead, no. we just off Morgan Freeman unceremoniously. <laughs> we, we've now met this character's stepdad who he admires and loves more than anything in the world. He's demanding his respect and admiration. We figure out he's the villain. And then he seemingly is able to kill him without much hesitation. There wasn't really any grieving in that. It was no. a very weird thing to have. Someone who loved who quote unquote was supposedly loved his father and loved everything about him the way that he did. I, I feel like there would have been more ump or like a reservation to like, I'm stabbing, I'm going to kill him and, and, and end his life. Uh, even, even setting the car on fire part of it, you think there would have been a little bit more, it just happens for a button of a joke, but you would think that, Hey, this car meant everything to you as a kid. You're like, I'm going, I, I want to say this is his favorite thing. And it's just kind of, ah, well, it's for a joke. So here we go. I get the symbolism of him burning it and destroying it, but it all happened very quickly. Quickly. A lot of the stuff that would have been interesting is like backloaded into this movie and we do it really so fast. fast. Yeah. And I, I feel like one of the things that it could have really done to be a good sequel was flip its script a bit more. If you want these characters, again, the other kind of buddy cop movies we've talked about, forcing them to see another point of view, I think you needed to make the stakes a little bit deeper and if we're going to do this Suicide Squad bomb on the wrist with Selma Hayek, they need to care about that. Mm -hmm. And I think if Ryan Reynolds is on sabbatical, he should have just opted out of the mission. And instead of them spending the money, he should have been going to the opera. He should have been going to the hotels. He should have been, you guys are on your own, figure it out, you do it. And the comedy should have come from them trying to get always trying to get him, him back now. yeah always trying to get him back yeah and then we should have met the stepdad he should have realized what they're trying to do that they can have a better family than he has and then push in the middle for, get a little bit quicker in the morgan freeman villain and if we're gonna have these uh you know street fighter character swap opposites of awesome hitman and awesome bodyguards yeah don't just make them stagnant characters for yeah we don't even need to give them any type of because I, I mean how many times do we have films where we don't give them any type of line or any type of dialogue like cool they are just the mirror opposite of them and that's fine enough for me like that's what you can do for this and they're both posited as these amazing versions of ryan reynolds and samuel jackson and they get smoked in their only pretty, actions pretty scene. quickly yeah <laughs> yeah it, there is no real um, 
adversary adversary for the for them it's just like ah this was easy we got them uh yeah i, I for a movie that had so many things that were like oh this person's tough this person's tough oh and there's this world machine that can blow up everything it all gets tied up so easy that i'm like wait then why did we why did any of this matter like none of this setup was important if we got here and it's like ah we could do we got off of this in like five minutes this is fun uh, we end on this button of them adopting Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Sure. Stand it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> there was a lot to do, I feel like, in this movie that they just kind of decided not to do. And maybe shorter, more concise, really figure out what your ideas and your themes and your characters are and, and why we're here if we're trying to figure out why do we keep going back to this well, I can only imagine this one was really for money, which is never an answer I like to give, but no. here we are. But th <laughs> this is a genre we've done a hundred times. We've now seen it evolve in the Marvel universe and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I feel like usually they find new and interesting ways to do a buddy cop movie. And that's why they keep being interesting. And this seems to just kind of, the first one very much was just like the template. Like it also was a very safe by the numbers movie with two very charismatic leads to make the sequel safe with three charismatic leads just wasn't really enough. Yeah. I don't think I, I, I agree with you. Like I sat here, I was like, I like, I, I still actively like all three of these, all three of these guys are charismatic. And obviously Antonio Barris can like, he can read me the phone book and be like, yeah, that's a, that's a, well, it's a great looking dude. And he can say whatever he wants. So there's charisma all over the place. It's just not funny and, or any of the action, like worthy of going through this. So it's just kind of like, we just hired five great actors to do nothing, which is a waste. <laughs> and try to do so much. We've got a stepdad storyline. We have a, a pregnancy storyline. We have, her weird amnesia con background story. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds is on sabbatical. He's in therapy. Uh, Darius so is infertile. It was just like so much stuff that they just keep stacking on. I'm like, okay, some of this has to lead somewhere, right? Why don't we pick two or three of these Bond stories? And just make a clear story from those. Because you can completely do away with, I'm going to keep calling the world engine, but you can keep completely do away with the world engine because it's not important to anything that's happening and keep this more grounded. And at least if that part's gone, like, cool, we can now deal with in some type of realism as opposed to making this a, a spy bond flick that no one cares about. No, and it looks like, you know, the first one only opened to 21 million. This one opened to 11 million, which I guess if you're at 50% capacity, maybe it's the same. Maybe, <clears throat> but I also know that that first one had legs like it stayed around a while. Like I think it made wound up making like a hundred and like right under one hundred and eighty million uh, for its entire run. That's not going to happen with this one because the very next week is Fast Nine, and that's gonna that's the exact same audience, so that's gonna change all this. Yeah, yeah, that's it's yeah. There's no way it sticks around. Once you get into July, it gets no. packed. It'll be going up against Marvel movies soon. Yeah. And, well, because the first one, like, and I'll say this, the first one came out in August too, which typically is the dumping ground, but it's also, if you're in there and you hit or you find any type of legs, you can go away, go on for a while because you're not, you're no longer complete. The May, June, July cycle is gone. August is sort of like, if you find, you're one of those weird ones that finds a lick, you can continue on for a couple of weeks. So there's nothing else really coming out anymore. That's not happening here.
<laughs> no, I can't. We're getting inundated with stuff week after week. <laughs> yeah, I can't see them doing much beyond it. But that's our show, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Of course, you should leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Play or wherever it is you have found us. Subscribe to the YouTube channel for more content. Stay here with us. I'm at, as always, Blake, Terrence is at Terrence Tatum. The show is at Hollywood ADI. And we will see you next week because the movies are back. As we can see, though, they're not, everyone isn't going to everything. No, they are picking what they want to see. <laughs> so not much has changed. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time. Later. <laughs>